0: Chapter 23 of St. Charles Borromeo, a sketch of the reforming cardinal by Louise M. Sackpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter 23 Not Peace, but the Sword. Do not think that I came to send peace upon earth. I came not to send peace, but the sword. And a man's enemies sh- shall be they of his own household. Matthew ten thirty-four thirty-six. 36. It was apparently the fate of the ascetic archbishop of milan of the man who was cardinal of santa Presede, the church of peace ever to live in the midst of storm and stress never to be able to sheathe the sword but to have until his dying day to fight the good fight in defense of the liberties of holy church the plague had ceased to ravage the fair city of milan and the fertile plains of lombardy the danger was past so the governor recovered from his panic and made defiance to the savior of the country that he himself had abandoned in her hour of trouble the marquis de amante was a spaniard and a grandee of spain and he possessed in a marked degree the worst characteristics of a spaniard and a grandee he was arrogant obstinate overbearing and ignorant in a superlative degree and he cherished an insane resentment against charles not only because the archbishop had mildly reproved him for deserting his post but also, and even more, because Charles had given him an example of heroic self-forgetfulness, in succoring the afflicted citizens, and nobly living with the dying and the dead. People of the type of D'Aimante never forgive sublime generosity and self-sacrifice either in their friends or foes, for it is a reflection of their own selfish cowardice. Yet even before the terrible visitation, a note of discord had been struck between the two rulers of Milan. De Diamante had come prepared to dislike Charles Borromeo, for he knew that the Archbishop had excommunicated and caused the removal of the former governor. Their first meeting was not amiable. Charles describes it with a touch of good-humoured sarcasm in a letter to Monsignor Castelli. After the departure of Don Luis de Recuencas for Flanders, I considered it my duty to pay my respects to the new governor, the Marquis de Diamante, I went to see him to-day, fully resolved not to speak about past controversies, but he himself started the subject, and insisted on continuing it. He received me into his antechamber, and we remained there conversing in the midst of a crowd of people. I do not know whether he acted thus through pride, or whether Spanish etiquette decrees that on a first visit one should be received in this manner, or perhaps he feared I intended asking a favor. This interview showed plainly that the new governor was determined to treat the man he looked upon as a rival in a very cavalier, not to say impotent, fashion. He was unreasonably jealous of the influence the saintly archbishop possessed over the citizens of Milan, and his jealousy increased a hundredfold when, during and after the plague, the people added love and admiration to their confidence. The de d'Armonte, meeting Charles one day, could not refrain from giving way to a paroxysm of ungovernable anger, saying furiously, It is unbearable the way the people here love you, why they almost worship you, and I, who am the minister of the most powerful monarch, they barely tolerate me. With curious yet natural inconsistency, Diamante later on made it the subject of one of his numerous complaints to the Holy See. That the Milanese detested their cardinal-archbishop, and that consequently the pope ought to remove him from a diocese where his presence was obnoxious to his flock. This was not the only untrue and absurd statement made by the governor. His chief accusations to the sovereign pontiff and to the most catholic king against the archbishop were the following. During the plague, Cardinal Borromeo had exempted his clergy from conforming to the regulations made by the magistrates. He had made his own rules about the quarantine. He sent his priests about, with certificates of health, signed only by himself or his vicars. He had forbidden sports, games, balls, and profane amusements to be held on Sunday in days of obligation, decreeing that they should be devoted to prayer and good works. He had also made certain sins reserved cases, and he had forbidden meat to be eaten on the first Sunday in Lent, making it a day of abstinence. He had prohibited people from taking a short-cut through the churches, and walled up the doors to prevent them from continuing to do so and he had caused partitions to be erected between the men and the women. Then he had instituted a new holy day of obligation, proclaiming that the Feast of Saints Gervasius and Protasius should be observed as such. These were the heinous offenses of which Charles Borromeo was accused. A special envoy and deputies were sent to Rome and to Madrid. A memorial was signed by the governor and his friends, and they did all in their power to blacken the reputation of the cardinal. He, calm, dignified, and resolute, continued to exercise ecclesiastical authority and to uphold the rights of holy church in fact he extended his jurisdiction to the utmost limits and seized and imprisoned culprits who had offended against the canon law the governor was furious he swore he threatened all in vain charles was not to be browbeaten and pursued the even tenor of his way undisturbed and undismayed by the menaces of his remorseless foe In the midst of this desperate struggle for the supremacy between the civil and religious authorities the cardinal of santa pristede was able to enjoy a brief period of peace and rest peace and rest for his mind for he only increased his bodily labors by the undertaking which though physically fatiguing refreshed and reinvigorated him mentally this was a pilgrimage made on foot staff in hand to the holy winding sheet of our blessed lord end of chapter 23